We are blessed today uh, to kind of have an early missions month opportunity here. As you know, in this church, we've for the last several years, we've had our missions month in November. And um, we have Joshua and Paola Gillespie with us and their daughter, Isabel. Isabella, I'm getting that. And um, so we're excited to have them here today to learn a little bit more about their ministry and also to hear a message from Joshua. Joshua speaks a lot down in the Philippines, and we're going to get a little taste of his ministry and how the Lord uh, uses him down there. And so, hey guys, buckle up. That's all I'm going to say. So we're excited to have him here today. And um, so before I uh, bring them up here and pray uh, with Joshua, I just want to start with their video here um, that will kind of introduce a little bit more of their ministry. So uh, please watch the screen. If you're tired of the same pain in your life for the last 30, 40 years, that means you need a change. He had to endure that to take the full punishment of our sin. I want you to raise your hand if that's what you want. If you want to be clean. If this is what you really want, don't do it because your name, the person next to you is doing it. Because Jesus said you have to have faith like a child. little bit of a pump-up video there, huh? <laughs> Are you awake? All right. Joshua, would you please join me up here, folks? Would you please welcome Joshua? And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand him the mic and just let him bring what the Lord has prepared on his heart to share with us today as we continue in this book of Mark. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time together in your word, and we ask for a blessing upon Joshua as he shares 
what it is that you've placed upon his heart to share today. And Lord, that we would all have a heart ready to receive from the word of God. And I pray, Father, that in the spiritual realm, you would silence the enemy right now and that our hearts would just be so tuned in to what your spirit's trying to say. And we thank you for this time. We thank you for Joshua and his family. And we ask a blessing upon them. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. Good morning. The love of Jesus should compel us to do something. Anybody got some tissues? <laughs> the love of Christ should compel us. When we see injustice, we should become justice, right? When we see the need, we should look at it as an opportunity to shine for Christ. We've, this last seven years we've been in the Philippines, we have um, seen 450,000 people hear the gospel, and within about a three-year time before we were in a two-and-a-half-year lockdown these last two-and-a-half years, the first three years we were there, we saw about 200,000 commitments to follow Christ, primarily youth and young adults. So we're seeing the gospel sweep across the Philippines in a powerful way because love compelled us seven years ago. We got married. Three days later, we moved to the Philippines. And we counted the cost to follow Jesus. I'm from Fort Dodge, <coughs> Iowa. She's from Miami, Florida, Honduras originally. And, you know, we said we have to leave our family we have to leave all of our comforts. Sorry, this doesn't normally happen. But for two and a half years, we were in a lockdown that was the world's longest lockdown in the, in, out of any nation where kids couldn't go outside for two years out of their home. Military checkpoints, um, just, you know, the suffering that the Filipinos had to endure. Uh, no jobs, starvation, no help from the government. We were able to give away 24,000 pounds of rice. We were able to impact 100,000 people. When churches were closed, organizations were closed, the only thing that could operate was essentials and was um, if you were first responders. So we became first responders. So all of a sudden our discipleship schools became relief programs. And uh, so as we are discipling, 
um, and raising up our staff and our students within our schools. We're collecting funds to be able to get rice to go out and still go into the community. So we were able to do that. We planted seven uh, house churches over the last couple years. And we were able to do weekly discipleship with these people. One girl, I, uh, I know I'm supposed to do some strength feats. I have a frying pan and a steel bar, and hopefully we'll get to that in a second. But there was a girl, single mom in her 20s, with a seven-year-old boy, and <clears throat> we go to this house to do our discipleship group, and we realize her house burned down the day before, the night before. And the superstitious belief is that if your house burns down, then you're cursed, and if I help you, then I'm cursed. So you're going to put that thing on me. So guess what? No one was helping her. So she's all alone. Her parents are, have rejected her and abandoned her as well. And you sa I said, you know, look at such an opportunity for us to be able to be Jesus and the whole community to witness what we're going to do for her and realize we're not cursed. We're blessed by God. And so here we go. We're able to raise a, about $1,500. And her house is just a small space like this. And we're able to raise $1,500 to give her cement floors where she had dirt floors. We were able to give her a, a toilet with a small bathroom where she would just go outside in the tall grass where all the snakes are to go to the bathroom. And, um, and then we got her a steel roof, plywood, you know, they built the foundation with bamboo. And uh, this girl became one of our faithful Lovers of Jesus, because she got so wrecked by, wrecked in a good way, by the love of God. And one person said to us, why would you do this for a person like this? Do you, do you know who she is? And then he, they began to tell us how he, she's the concubine of another man who has a family. So she's basically the, the sexual... Uh, relationship with a man who, who lives with his family already. And, and I said, you know what? Jesus so loved us that he gave his only son. And he died for us when we were in sin, not when we were righteous. And so I said, if he gave us what we don't deserve, then we'll give her what she doesn't deserve. Right? So the gospel was being revealed and demonstrated through this act of compassion. So people got saved. People were getting changed. And now in our community, we have complete open doors, regardless of the restrictions, regardless of um, certain policies and things. We're able to still go into the community and make disciples and preach the gospel. Only God can do that. Amen? So let's, um, as you saw in the video... We do Team Extreme International. We're leading that in the Philippines. It's been around for many, many decades. And we use arts and entertainment as a form of entertainment to preach the gospel, as a platform. And so it's not predominantly for the church. It's for the lost, right? It's not just for entertainment. It's to bring the attention of people out there who won't normally come into a church. So we go to them. Go to the, the basketball courts, go to the public facilities, go to different neutral places that they're going to go to, right? And then as we gather, 
I mean, we've gathered thousands. We've went into the public school systems. That's why we were able to see 200,000 commitments to follow Jesus. Because we went into all these public school systems. And we would preach the gospel to three or 4,000 high schoolers at one time. And so we would do this. And we would have hundreds of our YWAM missionaries come from all over the world. Because we said, hey, we have this huge open opportunity. Send your teams here so that we can serve the community and see what God wants to do. So as we're hosting hundreds of teams from Brazil, Korea, Thailand, uh, Nepal, uh, America, we're able to host them and, and allow there to be saturation in our communities and in our schools and in our neighborhoods and also ministering and preaching to the churches to build them up in their faith. And uh, that's how we were able to see such impact in such a short amount of time because as you know, we can't do everything ourselves. We need the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to walk in unity together. If we're going to change the world, we have to be in unity. And so we need the whole body of Christ to come together. And that's what's happening right now is that God is opening up even more doors and opportunities in the whole church of the Philippines to collaborate and work together. The largest denominations there are working with us. And we're saying, hey, how can we... Get the gospel to every single island and every single person in the Philippines. And how can we disciple them together? So we're seeing these opportunities. And you know only God can bring people together. You know the, the devil loves division. He loves separation. Right? If you're married, you know that the devil loves to get in between your marriage. Right? He loves to divide families. He loves to divide ministries. He loves to divide people. Because if you're separated, it says with the Tower of Babel, right, it says a people who are united can accomplish anything. What if we're united all together across the world? What could we accomplish with Jesus? All things would be possible if we put our faith and we put our trust in him that we can work together and make this happen. So we're seeing that happen right now. We're seeing how can we train up the church? How can we go out? Not just say, hey, come to my church, but how can I be Jesus in the midst of where I am? In my workplace, at going to the supermarket, going to this place or that place, how can I love them where they are? And then say, hey, once you get touched by God, hey, you want to come to my church and now grow and learn about who he is. And we do 15 hours of training in a week during our discipleship training school which is six months long, and we have uh, three months of lecture, and then we have three months of outreach. And so we'll train them up, and then we'll send them into the community, and we'll just do all these different outreaches. We, we use music. We use dance. We use uh, singing. We use rapping. We use every kind of form of anything that could be a tool to get someone's attention, to bring Jesus to them. That's what we do. And so we saw how using teams can multiply the gospel. So it's not just one man. It's not just an evangelist. It's not just one pastor. It's the whole body. It's, we have teams of people that we're training up and we're sending them out so that we can raise up more teams, more groups of people that can be sent out and to produce impact. I'm going to try my best to collect everything that I have to say because I normally speak, like I said, 15 hours in a week in our training school. And so I'm trying to cut to the chase and get to Mark chapter 2 also 
which is what you guys are on right now. So one last thing that we're doing is we are partnering with the second largest dental company in America called Smiles Brand. And they started a foundation called Smiles for Everyone Foundation. And they go into the poorest countries of the world and they'll give free dental. And so they picked the Philippines just recently. And we're our base, our YWAM base, if you don't know, YWAM is Youth with a Mission. It's the largest mission organization in the world. And so we're pioneering this base uh, for the last seven years with our leaders. And uh, so we're working with this dental company. We're the founding team. And it's amazing because our director uh, met with a lot of these leaders in the government, the military, and this foundation. And we're saying, how can we work together to help people? And so the dental company, the CEO, is, he's a Jewish guy, but he loves helping people. And another guy working with him is a born-again lover of Jesus and says, how can we do this and also bring Jesus to people? And so here we are in a great opportunity to volunteer ourselves to be able to go to the hardest and darkest places on the island of Mindanao, which is predominantly Muslim, and certain places you can't even get into because it's too dangerous. But they said, we will give you helicopters, we'll give you vehicles, whatever you need to get to the mountains, to get to these places, to help them with their dental work, we'll provide the resources that you need to get there. And so we said, wow, only God can open that opportunity, right? That's incredible. So we are partnering with this organization and foundation to be able to actually preach the gospel on these outreaches and on these times where they're cleaning their teeth. So it's going to be an amazing time. They just went this last couple weeks ago. Uh, they went to serve 100 prisoners within uh, one of the prisons there in Mindanao. So we have staff. We have about 47 staff at our base from all over the Philippines, from Mindanao, from Cebu, from Manila. And so we have different dialects that we have uh, collaborated. But the nation speaks Tagalog. Um, but there's Visayas, there's Trabacano, there's Ilocano, there's all these languages. And we have quite a diverse group of people that we can train up and send back into their location to be able to reach their people. So let's go to Mark chapter 2. Let's get into the word here for just a few minutes. I'm going to read through this. Are you guys okay? You can talk to me. It's all right. No problem. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I'll just read through it. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This is an amazing scripture. It's really powerful. Just, in, just envision this. Jesus is in this house, crowds of people gathered inside and outside to where there's this, this man. There's four guys carrying this paralyzed man on a, on a bed or on something that, you know, we don't know exactly. But they're trying to get their friend to Jesus, realizing that Jesus is the only one that can help him. You know, being paralyzed, that's not really a curable thing, right? You just kind of live with it. But Jesus... But Jesus, and so the friends, how many of you know that it says often in scriptures that Jesus, when he was moved with compassion, he would heal. And then it also talks about when Jesus was merciful towards people, he would heal. What would it say? And um, there was the blind man. He said, have mercy on me. And then he says, come to me. They're like, the Pharisees and the religious people are like, be quiet. Stop bothering him. Be quiet. And Jesus is like, no, bring him here. Bring him to me. And he says, what, what do you want? And he says, I want to receive my sight. He says, okay. Be healed. And the guy is completely made well. So here are these friends. They're probably moved with compassion for their paralyzed friend. There's no way because everyone's desperate. Jesus is healing people left and right and all the sick are coming to him because, you know, the woman with the issue of bleeding, right, we all know that story, went to all the, the physicians that she could and spent all that she had but then everything got worse and it wasn't getting better. So now what does she do? She just live in hopelessness, despair and say, God, why have you done this to me? God, why... Why is this happening to me? But she heard that Jesus was healing people. So she pushes through the crowd and says, maybe if I just touch him, that I'll be completely healed. So she pushes through all the people. And remember, she's unclean at the time. This is, she's bleeding. That makes her unclean. And if, as a woman, if, you, if you're around people who are unclean or anybody who has a sickness, they would have to go through a certain ceremony of cleansing. And here she is touching people. Think of the kind of persecution that could come for her. But she was so desperate. She's pushing through the crowd and she grabs his garment. And Jesus felt power come from him. And he says, who touched me? For I perceived that power came out of me. And everybody backed off. Now people were coming up against Jesus, pushing up against him, right? But then as he said this, they backed away. And here lies the woman on the ground. She was completely healed, dried up in the moment, as soon as she touched him. It's an amazing story of desperate faith and what that does. So here are these friends. I'm thinking that maybe they're believing the same way. That's, if we could just get him to Jesus, the one who has all authority 
over everything, the one who created all things, that by him and through him all things exist that were created. If we could just get it to the man who created all things, maybe he could create brand new parts in his body instantly. So think about this. In that time, they're digging a hole through the roof. So I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, living in other countries and maybe it was like a, a, a kind of a compact dirt with straw and with different things mixed together and Maybe they're just like taking a rock and just digging at the, 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 the ceiling. And as, as the little hole starts coming through and the dirt's crumbling right in front of Jesus, I, I just think, what is, the, what is that like if he's like speaking here and there's a group here in front of the house and all of a sudden the ceiling's falling through? You know, I wonder what he's thinking. Then it, the hole's bigger and bigger and then he's like, oh, okay, you guys are bringing him in here. Okay, that's cool. So they bring him down in front of him. And let's, let's look at this again. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your, your sins are forgiven you. It's interesting. He saw their faith. Not just the paralytics, but he saw all of their faith. The corporate connection with one another in faith Bringing their friend to Jesus touched the heart of God. And I think Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you, just to get the attention of the Pharisees. Because he could have just went up and said, okay, be healed. You know, he could have done that first and then proved to them and then said, your sins are forgiven you. But I think he wanted people to see that he knows the intents and thoughts of man. Because when we go on further, listen to this. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their heart. They're pondering what is he saying. How can he forgive sins? Only God can do that. And they're saying, they're thinking in their heart, this man is speaking blasphemy. But it says immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves, he said to them. So they didn't say anything yet. He's basically prophetically calling it out of what's in their heart. And he's saying, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed and walk? But that you, but that you all would know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise up, take up your bed, and go home. That was a demonstration that Jesus is God. That was a statement to prove to them he's not just a man. He's the son of the living God. Son of man, son of God. Says that Jesus left on the clouds of heaven and he's going to return. The son of man is going to return on the clouds of heaven. He's going to return the same way that he left. I have a teaching on the... The humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. This is one of the topics I believe is some of the most uh, controversial among all religions. Because some say he's a prophet. Some say he's just a messenger. But who do you say that I am? Right? He said that to, to Peter. You are the son of the living God. This was revealed to you by my father. Right? So that revelation only comes through God the Father. By the Holy Spirit.
I have three minutes. Luke chapter 9. One through two. Jesus, excuse me, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of heaven and to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing with you for this journey, neither staff nor bag, nor money, nothing. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. Sounds like a mission trip. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere they went. Why would God send them out with nothing? To test their faith and to trust him in the place of having nothing. Because when we have nothing, we have to trust that he is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that he is the one who provides for your needs, that he is the one who's faithful and just to be there for you when you feel like no one else is. Jesus knows what it feels like to be lonely. All 12 of his disciples fled. At the moment he needed them the most, they weren't there. Have you felt that way? When you were in a position, you're like, I just need someone with me to help me right now, but everybody's left me. I'm all alone. Jesus relates. He understands. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? He can relate with our weaknesses. He relates with our trials. He understands pain and suffering. But with God, all things are possible to those that believe. So if we put our faith in him, we will see the glory of God. That's what he said to Mary and Martha about Lazarus. He said, if you would just believe... Did I not tell you that if you would have just believed, you would see the glory of God? I'm going to take a drink of water, and then I'm going to show you guys something. It's nice. All right. You guys ready to wake up? All right. You guys know I rap too? Yeah, I don't look like a rapper, do I? It's not something I necessarily like to do. But I do it to get some people's attention and to preach the gospel, right? Anything works. Use whatever God gives you. What is this thing, Pastor Russell? Is it real? Yeah. All right, it's real. See, I have a, I have a witness. Okay. So I'm going to just demonstrate to you kind of what we do. I'm going to just take, is it okay if I have two or three extra minutes? Okay. Okay. So this is what we do in our shows. So this represents sin. Why does it represent sin? Because, you know, in a prison cell, there's those bars that are like this, that separate us from the outside world. Can't get out of the prison cell without the key. So this represents sin, and we're all born into sin. We've all experienced it. From when we were really little, we're punching other kids, we're stealing other toys. It's in our nature, right? It's, it's, sin is in our nature. And so 
The key is what we need. So what's the key? What is the key to get us free from this prison of sin? Well, I'm going to show you what the key is in just a second. Okay, you guys are quiet. Man, you're, you're making me nervous. I'm like trying to like get pumped up, but it's so quiet. Okay, you guys ready to make a little bit of noise? You can just be like, woohoo. Okay. Okay, let me just set this here. What is this? It's a U, good job. In the Philippines, they say V. Like, okay, we'll get there. We'll, we'll help you. It's a U, guys. It's a U, okay. So in life, we're walking one way, right? We're going one direction. But there's a time in life where we need to make a decision. We have to make a U-turn. And when we choose to follow Jesus, everything changes. Your life is brand new. You get a brand new chance. You're forgiven of every mistake you've ever made. And Jesus is the one that sets you free and gets you out of that prison of sin. Sets you free and makes you a new creation in Christ. But you have to make a decision. You have to choose to surrender your life to him. Say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn from my wicked ways and I want to follow you today. And then you go the other direction in relationship with him. So that's kind of it, okay? Last one. Okay, that was three minutes. Do I have one more minute? Okay. <laughs> okay. What is this thing? Pastor Russell, what is this? Is it real? Yeah. What we usually do is we hit the pastor on the head, but I, I won't do that today. I won't. Okay. So this is a real frying pan. I'm not going to cook any eggs for you, but I will roll this into a burrito. Normally we say lumpia, because that's what the Philippines has. But in America, you guys have burritos. So, what this represents is you and I, but then there's lies in life that we tend to believe. But as we believe truth, we're conformed to the image of Christ. He transforms us and conforms us into his image. Amen? And so this is the power of God that's able to transform you. You still are who you are, but then you look like him. Okay, so here I'm going to roll this up. You guys ready? It's all right. It's not that great, actually. Haven't worked out for a couple months, so give me a break, okay? But that's, that's supposed to look like a burrito. It's just it's a little malfunction. So 
this is what we do. We preach the gospel, make disciples. We're just training up the nations of the earth. And our, our heart is to raise up the Filipinos and send them into the 1040 windows, which is the Muslim world, the uh, China, Middle East, um, India, different parts of Southeast Asia that are hard to get to. As a white guy, I would probably die in a lot of those places. So our Filipinos blend in very well. So they're, they're already in Dubai, Saudi Arabia working. Philippines is the largest exporting. They export the most people out of any country in the world. And uh, so it's just God's strategy and plan is to raise up Filipinos to bring in a great harvest of souls throughout the Middle East, Muslim nations, Buddhist nations, Hindu nations. And uh, so let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this church. I thank you that the blessing they are to me, my wife, my family. And I just pray, Father God, I just want to give you an invitation. If, if you've come here for the first time, or maybe you've come here for a while, but you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus, I hope that what I said today would touch your heart to experience his great love, to experience his freedom, the freedom from sin. We no longer have to be a slave to sin, but we can have we can be free in Christ. So if that's you and you, you just want to say, yeah, I, I, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus today. Can I just see your hand lifted up? I see your hand. I see yours. Anybody else? I see a few others. Anybody else in the back? Anybody else? Look at me. You can raise your hand if that's you. Jesus. Jesus. I want us all just to say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you for setting me free. Fill me and empower me with your good grace and love. And I thank you for making me brand new. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray again. I just want to pray for God to give you his heart for the nations. To begin to pray for your nation and the nations of the earth. It says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. So Father God, I just pray for the heart for this nation, for their communities. And for the nations of the earth, the, the unreached places that nobody has been to yet, the places that are hard and dark, that people are afraid to go to lose their life. But if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. So I pray that we would be a people that don't love our life, but that we rather actually surrender it and give up everything to follow Jesus. Pray that you would send forth missionaries out of this church, God. You would send forth young adults to the nations and to see the gospel go with power, with the demonstration of the kingdom and with power, hearts to be changed, bodies to be healed, minds to be restored, mentally, physically, spiritually, Father God, we thank you for raising up this church to do great exploits for the kingdom. It doesn't matter how big Palmer, Iowa is. We thank you, God, you came out of Bethlehem, and you are the Savior of the world. And we just thank you, God, for blessing this church. 
In Jesus' name, amen.